0: Hello,
1: buddy. Yeah, mm. that was a poorly timed sip of beer.
0: Well, it was a well-timed uh, catch you drinking in the moment. Yeah, yeah <laughs> hell
1: yeah. Um, we do not have a guest today. We're mm-hmm. just uh, shooting the ship today, so hopefully
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been, um, you know, right, right off your travel, I've been non-stop traveling for weeks, and uh, now I've finally got time where I'm not exhausted and I can record and yeah, I mean... Yeah, you, you kind
1: of told me a little bit about, uh, like, CDC, or CBC, uh, <laughs> Craft Doers Conference, what's
0: going on Well, <laughs> Well, CDC's in the news a lot, so we, we get it.
1: Yeah, uh, the Craft Brewers Conference. Uh,
0: yeah, slash JBF, because they combined it this year, and then, um, you know, I figured rather than, you know, running through the, the usual stuff today, when uh, you, you said we should just record one out while we uh, get our guests later on in the week, and which uh, I thought to be fine, and so I figured we could theme it for an industry for an industry secret theme. All right, and what I think today's industry secret theme should be: these conferences kind of suck. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, do you love uh, sitting in a giant group of people having uh, the experts tell you shit that you already know?
0: No. I'm going to be critical in a few places with that. But that's actually the thing that bothers me about the least, I think. And I just want to make a very something very clear at the very top of this. I very much enjoy CBC. I think it has immense value. Uh, I think it's great to attend annually. Um, and I don't specifically have an issue with the Brewers Guild. Now, this is kind of like the same thing for me with, like, humans versus people. Like, I'm very much into humans personal relationships love cutting it up with a handful of people or or a handful of individuals um but when people start to gather they become people right when individuals gather and i like people less and so that's kind of where cbc got off track for me i mean just the first thing was i don't know if it's about inclusion or education or just making sure that there's enough stuff to do but they moved it to, like, over 10 different tracks you could, like, potentially go down as far as, like, seminars were concerned. Like oh, so you definitely ten. couldn't have
1: just gone to every seminar. Well,
0: that, well, the, see, that's another, the COVID protocols, I'm not going to bitch about too much. That just is what it is. <laughs> Usually, I was kind of used to being able to jump in and out of lectures as I saw fit. Yeah. And these you kind of had to register for and get scanned in, so... Little more tight on that kind of stuff, and then two three years ago they added what are called tracks. Like you go down one track for like sales and marketing, another for like brewing. I guess it techniques. makes sense. Like if you're a brewer, it absolutely brew it absolutely makes sense. And AZ BrewCon does it too, and I really do like it. But they've added too many tracks, and there's not enough space to fill. Like I, I would find myself just signing up for something to fill the time. Like I've spent the money, I want to. Find value, right? It's great.
1: Like, it's so niche. It's like, well, this one, this track is for marketing people who help with running sales routes, but also do festivals. Like, you know. Yeah. And there's certain stuff that was a like. a general marketing one? Like, there's, that's there's a whole different thing.
0: And then there's like importing to Japan at the same time <laughs> as like another one. And like, while I might have wanted to attend that, like a more general international shipping. I mean, I got more out of a name drop alert conversation with eric wallace of left hand who <laughs> you talked to him <laughs> i got more in a, in a in a short conversation with him about international shipping than i have in three years of cbc and i don't think that that i'm not i don't think that i have a solution i just i would like fuck if you took what he talked to me about for 20 30 minutes and expanded that into 40 minutes oh yeah that would be a worthwhile seminar for a lot of people to sit in on like do i Go with one exporter. Do I manage a relationship per each country? How many distributors per country should I allow before it gets too overwhelming? Like, those are insanely great places to start, and some advice I could have used when I first started international shipping. Right, like,
1: well, a lot of these, like, I've, I've been, I've done say, plenty of seminars or webinars or little conferences or just training courses. Right. And it's it's always so vast, but also so vague, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're like here's the entire blanket of something, like a subject, and you're like, okay, I have a gist of what's going on, and you just slightly cut just past the water of like every little thing, and ninety percent of it I don't care about. I need this ten percent just to get me fucking going, so I know mm-hmm. where to start because what happens is I must figure out where you're going, and then. So you're sitting there like, well, that was an hour and a half, two hours of fucking time. I just sat there and wasted to know almost nothing. It's almost like I have more questions now going into this than less, right? So then yeah. all of a sudden you meet a homie in the industry. Maybe it's you just met him at at, the, at their brewery and then you're at you know, CBC and then you see him at a bar. And you're like, hey, you do this, right? I got some <laughs> questions. And then over like two, three beers, you're like, I have solved almost or answered almost all my questions. Because mm-hmm. now I have a direction of where to start. Because they're going to be like... I did this, yeah. and I was exactly like you, not knowing what the fuck I was doing, and just jumped into it, made all the mistakes I could have. Uh, let me help you to get success faster.
0: That's That's been my entire approach in giving back to the industry, is like, anytime I do have that ability to be like, hey, I'm about to say three sentences to you, and save you fuck tons of time, yep. change your life, because that's what I'm constantly looking for, and I don't necessarily think it's a failure in structure of things like CBC, I just... I think that they have a they have a duty to provide information in the most transparent way possible. So a lot of stuff is like anecdotal examples and experiences from existing breweries and people who've done it for twenty years. These aren't these aren't one size fit all solutions. These things don't even guarantee success. And the BA's got to be real careful about <clears throat> instructing people to do certain things. And I get that there's a whole field from there to here. I just I've been going for a while now. Um, It seems that everything's either too much 101 or it's too advancedly niche. Yeah. So you'll get like, and and again, it's because of sponsors and I I understand the monster. I do, but it's like, you know, Crosby wants to do like hot focus Mm -hmm. and like that gets real nerdy and scientific. And I even did, speaking of Crosby, we did a, little uh, sensory thing with hops and they had like a little grinder and it was super cool and... You're, you're a bowl? <laughs> of hops? Uh, I mean, don't even get me started about cannabis prices in Denver like... Oh, my really? S- pff, ridiculous. Dude, uh,
1: it's been legal recreationally for
0: years. Oh, I'm I meaning in like... Eighty dollars an ounce, ridiculous. Not like, not like. Oh, it's expensive. Like, no, no, no. It's like they're they're throwing it at you to get you out of the store. They're like, just leave, and they you get hit in the head with like an eighth. (laughs) Fucking
1: shoot this up. I don't care.
0: Yeah, they're like, it's gonna go bad. Just throwing it at you. (laughs) What? It was. Yeah, we've got a deal on a pound, (laughs) dude. It was. It was wild to see. Like, even just pull up leafly, like. It was so overlapped, I had to like zoom out, and then it was still super overlapped, Mm -hmm. and I was like, well, at least I'm not going to have to travel far. (laughs) I think it
1: was the second year Colorado had uh, uh, legalized recreational marijuana, and I just happened to be in some fucking no-name town. If any listeners have ever heard of this town, I would be astonished. But it's ca- called uh, Manassa, Colorado. Like, Ooh. literally, like I think there's like 70 people in this town. It's, it I, doesn't I, even make it sense. I,
0: I've been to some tiny yeah. places in Colorado and I've incorporated territories and I've never heard of that.
1: So, like, <laughs> we, uh, as we're heading out, um, we literally pass through Manassa, get to the next town. I want say it's like Romeo. Right before you get on like the interstate and I just see dispensary and I'm like, I'm pretty sure those are. It's recreational now. I'm gonna pop right on in because there's a burger stand next door that we always stop to. Um, We have all the nieces and nephews there, so we have ice cream Sundays and we grab some burgers before we go on a ten hour, twelve hour drive home. So I pop in, (laughs) guys. just like, and this is you know early recreational cannabis there. I go in, and uh, you know of course he's like medical card or recreational. Like recreational, he's like cool. You can only have whatever uh, an ounce of weed or whatever. You can only buy that much. And I was like, oh cool. It's a lot of weed. And he's like, eh, yeah, I mean. Could be. Some people, that's not much. And I was like, oh, for me, that's a lot. And he's like, well, I mean, if you go over, it's all right. And I was like, what, what, wait, what's the, <laughs> what rules? the rules? What are the rules? Uh, are the
0: rules? Are rules? <laughs> uh, I don't know. But
1: I was like, Who, nobody's regulating that tiny town. Like, the person who's in charge of regulating a town also regulates probably a town that's 20 miles away, that's literally, there's nothing between, but just road. Mm-hmm. And then the next town, which is another 40 miles away. Right. And they're like, what do I got to check on the one dispensary the size of my basement, uh, mm-hmm. which is like 20 feet by 20 feet, maybe? Uh, like, they they ain't checking it that often.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the whole medical to rec to state by state was literally just the federal government doing the slowest burn of we don't have to admit we're wrong mm-hmm. in the entire fucking world. Oh, yeah. And so it was all just more or less a formality anyways and i mean it's it's weird to see people like where in a few spots in america where it's still like dicey like just cling on like just being wrong about it is going to kill them well the, like, the federal holy government's shit. like an
1: angry ex-girlfriend about it right like all these states like the boyfriend like i told you so i told you they just turn around like i'm not listening i don't hear it
0: no absolutely i mean it's it's a I mean not to go down this road too much but it's a long and torrid history of corporations running our government rather than uh, public opinion. Sure. But now that public opinion is harder to disseminate from all the noise online and everywhere else, I think it's easier for like states to be like, no, this is what everyone wants and it's fine. We're never gonna like <laughs> Oklahoma right now is like we can't think of anything we would have done differently to respond to COVID. Second highest death rate in the world. You can't think of a single thing you would have done differently. Not a single thing. Uh-uh. Not a single thing. Uh-uh. Okay. Well, you know where I don't live? Uh-uh. There. So I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> I'm trying to worry about what's happening here and uh, what my next beer is going to be. So yeah, speaking actually, of that, we yeah. another beer. Yeah. Ooh, we'll just double quadruple gonna... mask, you know. So that was... Oh, oh, did you bring the... Uh... Oh, no, you didn't. No,
1: that's crazy. We got some some Tommy's Lullaby.
0: Yeah, Neon Green. It's, uh, you know, I developed that with the uh, the team over at 12 West and Noel Garcia about 2016. Um, Maybe right before then. Uh, killer, killer.
1: Uh, I mean, it's a Kool-Aid beer. Yeah. Like, that was like that crazy adjunct style beer well before all these like smoothie sours and things were coming out. Like, when mm-hmm. I heard about it, I was like, that's probably going to suck. And I had it and I was like, this is really good.
0: All right. <laughs> this one's even better. We've dialed it in uh, a little better this time is, I guess, as well as you can a, you know, Berlin. <laughs> made <with collate>. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, we make, we make dope heritage beer at Grand Canyon, you know, American Amber, Pilsner, hybrid wheat, you know, just traditional mm-hmm. solid styles dialed in Irish red. <clears throat> um, but when we're not doing that stuff, i like to I like to swing for the fences, man, yeah, uh, and just you know, even if it what I've learned by having a bunch of shitty releases and not having to be a hype brewery is whether it hits or it doesn't in three to three weeks to three days, no one's going to give a shit, yeah, I mean, well, and I can just keep moving on and trying new someone things. Gives a
1: shit. Your warehouse manager.
0: Oh, sure. <laughs> and that's why we innovate slowly and we're not a hype brewery. Yeah. Um,
1: we have fucking 100 we, cases sitting here. Can we move them, please?
0: Yeah, we literally, uh, due to the success of fair Bear, we have we literally sat down and cut down to five SKUs, uh, yeah. focus a three, uh, reduced seasonals down to three, took a fourth one out. Well, that's we, what all your
1: distributors want.
0: Well, it's, I've been preaching it to my distributors for a long time. You know, my crystal ball. I'm like, I see it coming, fewer SKUs, you know, by 2024, 2025. We want to be down to four or five SKUs in total. You know, two to three for a focus. Maybe a handful of seasonals and special releases. Uh, COVID extremely uh, accentuated that timeline. Accentuated is the right word? Probably not. I'm not Um, a dictionary. Yeah, well, uh, neither am I, clearly. I ain't going to check you. Well, I just know a bunch of fifteen dollar words because uh detention in my hometown. Uh uh, this is gonna be a sidebar for therapy. <laughs> this is a this is a therapy sidebar. <laughs> <Time out. laughs> Make sure you timestamp that. Therapy sidebar. Um when I was in uh well, elementary, middle most of all of school I was in trouble a lot, uh for being a smart ass. Surprise. Um and I would get detention a lot. And detention where I'm from is sit down and hand copy a dictionary.
1: Oh my god, that's fucking boring.
0: And if you do it every single day, for years on end, you just retain a lot of words. I mean,
1: what would they do if you didn't? (laughs) Another Uh, detention?
0: I mean, so, that is, you know, you only learn that attitude through a series of experimenting through life. Oh, I mean,
1: so, like, we had a...
0: I mean, now I would be like, someone told me to do something, I'd be like, "Fucking make me. (laughs) Yeah, and when, uh, when I was
1: in junior high, they did Sand Trap, which was detention, after school detention. So, but it was... It was absurd. Like, they would get you... You'd have yes or no stamps at every single class, whether you're tardy, whether you missed the class, whether you don't do your homework, whether you are missing a, an item. So, like, you can get a no stamp for missing a pencil. So, you don't have a pencil, so you can't do your schoolwork, mm-hmm. uh, you can't do your classwork, mm-hmm. and then you get a no stamp, and that, if you get any no stamps, you go to detention, which is sand trap. Okay. And uh, I would just miss things here or there, be tardy, and just, you know, if you're going to you know existing five, six classes... I don't know, I, have, I think six classes, whatever it is. And I would get one no stamp and i go, well, I just fucking did a pretty good do- goddamn job and I missed one thing or I was two minutes late because I need to take a piss before classes.
0: That sounds uh, like prison.
1: <laughs> it was fucking absurd. So I'd get all the time. Oh, and then, so if you do have a no stamp, then you have to go to Sandtrap, the detention, and then they give you a stamp saying that you attended. So you have this book and Jesus you bring it everywhere. Christ. So the next day, if any of the teachers see that you got a no stamp and you didn't get the detention thing they would give you a no stamp so you'd go to detention and like I just started racking these motherfuckers up because I just skip one and then I get a no stamp because I didn't go to it last time so then I just continue to not go and then eventually like one teacher will look back and be like how many times have you ditched detention and I'm like I don't know why do I need to spend 45 minutes after class because I didn't do my homework in one, one
0: class. no stamp or 150 uh, doesn't seem to matter well,
1: and, and if i didn't do homework in one goddamn class that's on me that fucks me with my grade i'm already being punished by it for sure now you're punishing my time so i'm just going to continue to ditch and then eventually they send you to like whatever the vice principal or whatever and they they go through and they tally all of them up and they they figure it's like for every uh eight days of ditching they'll <laughs> give you a day of detention okay <laughs> so you miss 8 days, you skip 8 days
0: of So what happens if I don't show up for those? <laughs> is it, does it ex- is it does it does it, <laughs> yeah, it expand it <laughs> like does it is it like is it exponential growth yeah, yeah. or or is it just like well I'm just not going to do these either and it's, it's like the so best But if you returns. count up but if you count up these so like Okay, so I got ten days of detention for missing these eighty. I'm just not gonna do those. That's only eight, so now you're down to what, three days of detention? Yeah, yeah, right, it actually yeah. sounds like over time you, you can actually reduce your yeah. d- your detention. I, you know,
1: I generally like I think that was probably the first time I ever like learned to just like question things as a child. Like, right. Right. Like they teach uh-huh. you like just do what you're told and that, mm-hmm. because we've your best interests. And like so I do it. I remember telling the vice principal, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. You're holding me after because of uh, a ditch that I did you know a month ago uh and i'm sure i didn't it was a homework assignment or whatever and i go well that that affected my grade and i had to work with that you know and i work hard and do extra credit because of it uh and now this is just accumulating because i just keep not going because mm-hmm. i have shit to do right when i get home but, like more fucking homework that you want me to do and, or just hang out with some friends or just a life uh and then so you know you missed 30 and then now you have five and i'm like well uh I'll go to those five because it just washes everything, but uh, <laughs> that doesn't make fucking sense because those extra detentions, those five, are not longer than the last one. So it's like, you don't make sense. She's like, I understand. It's about and compliance, that's about Bobby. All that's, that's all it is. It's, <laughs> it, it's,
0: it's clearly about compliance. That's what the whole stamp system's about anyways. It's like, well, if you serve these five days based on some math we've calculated, you've been punished or whatever. And so we feel better about it. It's just, yeah, it's it's, it's all nonsense. In, in my school, the tension was also saddled with, I, I guess, to answer your question, because uh, as you explained that super complicated system <laughs> uh, th- for, for children. Dude,
1: uh, it, looking back at it, because like when you're in class, it makes mm-hmm. so much sense because they til- they, right when you come into junior high, it's different than your elementary school. Sure. There's this new program. You're like, I'm assuming everybody does. I've never met any other school that has anything like this. And then now looking back, I'm like, how fucking crazy was that? Like, looking back, it's the most absurd thing in the world.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, They held us to account because there was also a point system. Once you got to junior high, there was a... You'd start the school year with 50 points. If you got to zero, you could make up points, and you could do after school-like stuff, and I would generally run out of points throughout the year. And that, that, I guess, separated enough, different than your stamp system, where, like, if I was late or did something like I could just serve detention at lunch or and detention in, in my school was mostly like, uh, if you go hang out in the chess club with Mr. Browning, cause he was like one of the only people that stayed teachers that stayed for lunch. Uh, I just joined chess club and then eventually just played magic, the gathering every day with <laughs> yeah. my friends for lunch. Like I would go to detention in the same place. All my friends hung out and played magic together. Right, you wanted to go. Yeah. So I would take detention for like being late, being a smart ass, but you know, I'd push Mr. Waldo too far sometimes. He'd be like, you're going to the office. And like 20 points would just be smacked down. <laughs> just boom. Dude, I will
1: say I never ditched. Because uh, they would always switch. Like mm-hmm. your uh, your, uh, your last class would tell you where Sandtrap is. Because don't, they don't tell you beforehand. And uh, I always remember being like, well, you can tell me, but I ain't going. <laughs> like, yes, Miss Whatever. I'll be right at 3.01. Uh, no, so Psych. they would uh, they'd be like, oh, it's at, uh, it's at Mr. Peterson's. And I'm like, huh? And like, wait, wait. So, is that the lo- the gym? Like, yeah, the gym's hold- holding the swing. I'll go, and then we just lift and work out. In the <laughs> weight room. Oh yeah. And the gym teacher's cool. He's like, I don't know, man. If you said read a book. I don't fuck playing your phone. Work out with me because that's what I'm doing after school. Like, yeah. So we would just and we had weight training, so we just jump over to weight training, that's and that was phenomenal. Super dope. So some of them were good, but uh, I'm sure my <laughs> also Sandtrap. What a ridiculous name. I'm not a golfer.
0: Well, speaking of things that gave me complexes of sitting through class, um, <laughs> that's uh, back to the CBC thing. Is like it did become difficult, Like, and sometimes because there'll be two classes going on at the same time of things I want to cover. And so sitting through enough of one to see if it's not, not to be crass, but worth a shit for me to stay, or if it's like, oh, it's a very one-on-one review. I'll go see if this isn't, and try to just get my insights where I can. And so I was more, more or less just sequestered to the classes I I chose, and um, I think what bothers me the most is when they bring on experts Mm. in their field or people at a high position, and then they're just dishonest with a room full of people looking for actual answers. So I'll keep this as vague as possible. So I was (laughs) sitting in on on a seminar, and um, there was a a guy basically representing an on-premise retailer. And the way it worked is you actually did a QR code and there was like a whole Q and a chat session, which was so much cooler than, you know, standing in line with dorks that just want to like see themselves up, asking a question or whatever other complications there are. There's a bunch, a bunch of questions. Dorks. You can vote them up and down. If they're very similar, they'll combine them into one or change. Like, yeah. and depending upon how they're being voted on by everyone else in the chat, they'll escalate to importance or mm-hmm. not, because like, I'll ask you a question. I'll be like, Oh, I want that one answered first. And yeah. you know, I got a couple of my questions answered and, uh, well, answered. interesting. We no spoke about deal. it. We spoke about it. But I just remain... You, you just remain anonymous and just vote yeah. everyone s- stuff like I did, which is one of the best systems I've ever seen. So, way ahead of the game on improving that. However, um, the question, more or less, a billion different ways to ask it was like, with mandates, how do local, independent, and small breweries compete? And... This person says, "Well, two things."
1: Was this person an expert
0: at small? This person had a this. This person was a very large decision maker for a very large retailer in America. Um, <laughs> and and this person says, um, "Well, first of all, remember that some of the business the businesses that you're discussing with mandates are small independent companies making decisions that they need to for themselves. No, they're not." they giant corporations, conglomerates that are paying. Oh, and that's what else they had said was. Um, I'm not going to get into the details on how mandates work. Large beer companies pay you tens of thousands of dollars to mandate your handles yeah. in the market. Whether that's done as direct payments or or your charity, which just basically allows you to tax write off mm-hmm. charitable donations, which in turn is like putting money in your pocket. Um, It's just openly dishonest to say, I don't want to get into the details about how mandates work. Well, then how the hell are we ever going to get there? How, how do I get a mandate? Yeah. H- how does a small guy come up and grab one if it's not that big a deal? If they're small. And so that opening answer was just like, cool. I can't trust anything else you say now. Like, it'll all be through this jaded lens because that's not how any of this works. Well, they
1: all, like, that's like, this is valuable information. They're not going to give up information that's valued at But that's, 000. that's hey, the whole
0: purpose of the conference. Sure. And we, and we, you know, not but to. But it's
1: too close to them, right? Wait, you want to know how I got into every single Buffalo Wild Wings in every state that I distribute at? Why would I give you that information?
0: Yeah, and. You know, it's it's happened at BrewCon here, too. Um, not, to, I mean, BrewCon's, I think, an incredible resource for Arizona breweries. Just want to be clear about that. But there is the same kind of thing with a retailer panel. It was like, hey, how do you, a uh, person running a bunch of really successful on-premise craft accounts, how do you determine who you do business with and how does like, one build a relationship with you? And then, having worked with said account, literally just spouted nonsense to sound... <laughs> I think, like, profound and
1: politicians talk.
0: Yeah, it was like, like, wanted to sound like way more like meritocratic about it than it is. Like, oh, yeah, everyone's got a chance. It's a meritocracy. You know, you just uh, cream rises to the top. No, you're a hype brewer and you buy things based on untapped ratings, uh, how long breweries have been open, and whether uh, what the distribution network in Arizona Mm -hmm. looks like. I could literally point to twenty bars. I could, I could, I could guess the beers they're going to order in any given week, and be ninety percent accurate. That's not to say it doesn't have demand. It's not something people consumers clearly want. I'm not. I'm not here to talk shit about it. In fact, a lot of those concepts sell a lot of my beer. Mm-hmm. Um, just this particular retailer was just dishonest about how it all works, and I was just like, this isn't helpful to young breweries that don't understand that you're full of shit. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and then and then, an and then who and, and if that's the case. Then when I'm sitting in a meeting being like, oh, that's smart. Am I just some fucking rube listening to some guy Uh being wrong or dishonest or I don't know. And that's why I think that like a lot of the educational stuff in quotes, when it's taught through like anecdotal experience and examples, I just, I don't know what good that's doing anybody. Again, it's weird to have a brewery the size of like, say, Rheingeist or something like that telling a brewery the size of uh, 12 West or BRI or Goldwater what they should do next. They're massively different size. Right. Yeah. And, and so unless there's a structured, like start here, here are these resources. That's what I'm big on is like, give me a resource to go follow. Tell me like, go do this first or, or, or check into this. And there is a lot of that. And again, I'm just highlighting the industry secret that these things kind of blow sometimes. I'm running out of breath, so you'll have to...
1: Well, speaking of... Uh, well, we can get into... Um, it's good information. It's a little dry. Um, we... What I'd really like to hear is... So, at CBC, or GABF, you know, they kind of mush them together uh, this year. But there is always a bunch of killer craft events going on around. Cause it's oh, my God. There. I did want to get into this with you. <laughs> Dope-ass events. There's killer bars, killer breweries, amazing beer on tap everywhere. The, the city is... Has a pretty large influx of just people that are there, and in that big influx is beer industry people. That guess what? We drink. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna have a good time. I've heard a few stories <clears throat> from a couple other uh, reps that have been there, and they're like, "Dude, it was fucking wild. Like, I had a six o'clock flight on the way home. We party till two on Saturday. I don't know how I made it on the flight, and I reeked and sweated of alcohol, like." The entire, I felt bad for the 80 year old lady who's sitting next to me, mm-hmm. while clutching her uh, cross necklace, like asking Jesus to save her. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I mean, so I took it pretty easy this year. I've uh, been trying to cut back on the Nerd. old uh, cranking it down so hard. So uh, I remained mostly sober throughout the entire uh, ordeal, which does not mean that there was not. I was gonna say I've heard too. some
1: stories about you fucking hand, crushing a bottle of booze. Uh, so you're a big dude, and you can handle your alcohol. Oh no, no, no! So yeah, yeah, you well, being uh... mostly sober is me being hammered.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I meant day to day. Jesus. Um, so um, one of a uh, one, one thing that was uh, particularly of interest um, was so downtown Denver just kind of exists. And then CBC happens on top of it, and so to kind of put things in perspective, a lot of the events were a bust as far as attendance went. Um, CBC, oh, really? CBC was under attended. It was uh, under the the whole, entire showroom floor wasn't even taken up this time. There's a you could tell there's a lot of stuff missing, and that's mainly because the United States is a plague state that's not allowed to have any visitors. Yeah, but um, so. Like I went to the left-hand um, ping-pong tournament, which was awesome and turned out to have like a pretty big crowd. Um, but at first, I was like, "Man, like, there's no one here." And then eventually, that place filled up. Um, but that well, place, to remember just, you're,
1: in, you're in the beer industry. Nobody shows up on time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, and that place was called Aces. Is like this badass like Asian food place. It literally looked like um, an arcade, like out of Japan, uh, like the industrial. Kind of arcades, but then it also it was just a ping pong uh-huh. with like a bar and like really killer food. I had some bar or barn bar. Oh, okay. like yeah, just I was like yeah. This sounds th- like a wild place. Well, well, ping no, they pong. they had uh, they had left hand was having a big tap take over there, right? So we well, went there. I'm like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's ping pong, there's arcades, there's a barn. Yeah. Like, I was like
0: what there, is there's, the model? There, There's a <laughs> there's a petting zoo. It's it's totally fine. It's totally fine. Uh, (laughs) So I got racked into playing ping pong, which I'm not good at. Um, I was about to ask. So I played a girl named Alex. um, So that was, you know, a fun pun for 20 minutes while we played. Um, She beat the shit out of me. But luckily, it was a four-point game, so not entirely embarrassing. Ooh, all right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Have you ever been to
1: Triple Crown in San Diego? I have not. It is. It's called, like, a ping pong bar, right? Okay. Uh, Now, if you think of ping pong bar you probably walk in like it's a pool hall and there's a bunch of ping pong tables and people have a great time and they're hustling. Doing no, there's a ping pong table <laughs> all the way tucked in the back that you could go there 30 times and never know there's a ping pong table, but it is a ping pong bar. And some of these people are so good and they'll play over and over and over. Like the, that's their whole thing. Mm-hmm. And if they win whatever, three, four times in a row, they switch to this very small paddle, like about about the size of your palm. Mm-hmm. Right? And you're playing on, you're against them with a regular size paddle and you're Like, Hey, you know, I, I always walk in, I'm like, hey, I'm not a regular, Um, not very good at ping-pong. I know you guys probably got, like, a list of, like, 30 people, like, because you're just re- recircling the whole list of, like, oh, I'm up next, and then just put me on the list again after, because it's going to mm-hmm. be 45 minutes till I play again. I'm like, Yo. I just want to play one game, I'm here for a minute, if anybody is cool with me just jumping in, I'm not going to take over the table. And for the most part, they're like, yeah, after this game, jump in. And they get you, you know, playing to the 21, they'll let you get to 10.
0: And that's it. Yeah, that <laughs> and is. That is. That is the limit of their patience. And you
1: get to ten, you're like, Jesus, Bobby, you're gonna get it today, man. These guys have the little Ooh. paddle. You fucking getting some spin on that ball. Your serves are looking pretty decent. And then as soon as you get ten, you're like, boom, lose, boom, lose, boom. And it's like, where did this come from? Like, <laughs> it's it's like the immunity that superpowers. Is like, is that Spidey sense always now? Did you just rail a line of coke and now you're in the zone?
0: Like, what is happening? Well, I imagine that anyone hanging out in the back room of a ping pong uh, place is ripping a few lines. Here yeah, and there. but it's,
1: it's I, I'll, I've never gone there, and it's really the only place I know, and I'm in San Diego yeah, going to play ping pong, because I don't have places here that I know it's like a ping pong right. place, uh, but whenever I play ping pong, it's essentially 10 to 21, uh, and they run me for 21, <laughs> so a four-point game. Impressive.
0: Well, thank you. Um... Yeah, it was mainly because she missed a bunch in a row and uh, I got five points. But uh, <laughs> but um, I guess before I, I kind of continue on, how familiar... Are, are you familiar with Denver at all? No, not at all. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. It's in um, a
1: city in the United States.
0: Okay. So uh, uh, earlier when we were talking about um, legalized cannabis, I was in Denver the year it was legalized for rec. That's actually kind of how I started using cannabis. And... Um, that was one of the... So, that's where I kind of got introduced to a lot of the local hangs, like Star Bar, a.k.a. Fart Bar. We'll circle back, <laughs> we'll, we'll circle back on that one. Uh Herb Room, uh, Falling Rock, which was this legendary craft beer bar in Denver. COVID killed it. Um Lots of fucking cool places. Downtown's always ripping and rolling. But I remember going and like just... I didn't even buy cannabis the first time. I went with a, a buddy of mine who had... Come to town with me. uh, Bought like some edible breath mints. (laughs) Real daring. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember going in and like no one really knew what they were doing at first because like it had just become legal. So there, it's it's two stories. There's the it it literally looks like a corporate drug deal. Like there's these dudes. There's this there's this chicken in empty conference room. A security guard directs you in there. She cards you. She hands you a thing. You go up the elevator. It's rickety as fuck. It's like. (laughs) Like, like every person I talked to about that year is like, oh, the elevator. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so all you come know. up, they're only letting you in one at a time yeah. into this tiny room.
1: That's pretty standard for them, you know, it's one by per one customer.
0: Right? Yeah, but this was, like, one person in the room. It, this was very, like, week one, yeah. bro. And then, you know, it's CBC. And I just remember that being, like, compared to, like, oh, my God, they're all around me. And then I, I remember being like, man, I wish this uh, dispensary I went to wasn't closed uh, on Wednesdays. And then uh, my brewer who I was riding around on scooters with was like, well, what about that one next door, which was open? And we went, and so it's just a much, a much different experience these days. But so um, we, uh, we took um, Kevin Calloway, who's our brand manager, graphic designer guy, um, and Brent, who's our head brewer um, to Denver this year. And John Hunter, our director of operations, he's pretty familiar with it, but we were kind of taking him around a few of the sites. And so, Uh, Fart Bar is usually um, this tiny little dive um, right off downtown Denver, and I remember the first year I went there, it was like Avery slash, I don't know, like the brewery or some shit, Tap Takeover, like all the, the, the entire Fallen Angel series, the whole Barrel Age series, the whole Wild Fruited series, and I just remember, I can't remember who the first person to tell me about it being called Fart Bar was, but basically the it's so crammed and everyone just eat drinking like barrel-aged beers and you're just <laughs> eating farts the whole time just you're just like oh, oh, jesus oh. Yeah, and you just try to thing. find out where the they're day. at the least which is not near me and uh so it's uh it's a pretty terrible place but uh i love it i'm kidding it's amazing but um we went there this year and it was like very underattended, so we We bounced out of there, and there's this place called Our Mutual Friend. I don't know if it's a brewery or a tap room. I didn't stay long enough to figure it out. We ended up going next door to this place called Trent's, which is a cocktail bar. And so it's uh, it's weird. It's got this huge, huge outdoor area. It's a little confusing, but there's lots of outdoor stuff. Tables, like food uh, vendor, more picnic tables, this side, like... The middle is like one of those like fake fire pits of the rocks, but then there's like railing on like long horseshoes on either end that you can kind of like sit and hang out at that are basically right in front of where you wait to go get cocktails. It's this like badass cocktail bar. I took a picture of the menu. Um, I had their mezcal sunrise, whatever the, that Something, is. Man. It was super citric mezcal uh, version of a tequila sunrise, right? So, okay. yeah, um. But while we were sitting there hanging out, um, there's these two girls that started chatting at my brewer, and um, they, they everyone's pretty tipsy at this point, and so everyone's just kind of chatting and having fun, and... <laughs> So the one girl Is like It's her birthday Or something And like She didn't invite her It's my birthday She like didn't invite Her boyfriend or fiance Or something I think she didn't Invite her boyfriend Because he didn't Like propose to so I'm just barely Trying to ear hustle (laughs) This conversation But in any case Like it's throwing Some doubt in her mind It's her birthday And her friends Like just try to cheer her up And then she's like Whatever And she swings her arm back And she's sitting On the bench Right next to the wall And right behind her Is like um, A fence And she's like, whatever. And I kind of look to the right for a second to like look at John Hunter's reaction. And I look back, and she's gone. (laughs) Houdini'd. Like like Thanos. I'm just like... And then... Before the thought fully flows through my head, she rolls out of the backside of the wall (laughs) into the street. (laughs) (laughs) So... Looked down, and so the siding of the wall right below the bricks is is like tin, like tin siding. Uh-huh. So when she swung her arm out, she lost balance, fell backwards, hit that, like it just gave instead of like stopping her. <laughs> and she just, it took her a second to like roll out of the other side. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> My God, dude. I mean, just visually, like I... I laughed way harder than this in person <laughs> out loud. Uh, I was like bold like she comes back. <laughs> I've got glasses off, tears coming down my eyes. She's like, that's she's like that's not funny. I was like, it is as funny as it looked. Yeah, oh yeah, my maybe god. Not for
1: you. Maybe it wasn't funny for you. For me, hilarious.
0: And by now and she's like, How do you know I'm not okay? I was like, Well by now I know that you are. <laughs> You're yelling at me. Oh my god. It <laughs> was just me.
1: as soon as I found out if you were okay. I would probably have stopped laughing, but uh, I won't keep
0: laughing. There is something. of another beer. Yeah, there's something super broken about the way I see people like fall down, oh, dear. and I'm uh, just entertained by it. So, like, <laughs> the idea
1: of like a drunk person falling or a drunk person getting stuck or something along those lines <laughs> is—it's like—it's not just to me; it's to everybody. One of the most hilarious things in the world. So, uh, one of my one of my buddies, uh, growing up, yeah, I knew him from like age five to whatever, and then hadn't seen him in 15 years. And uh, you don't really get to know somebody when they're like, you know them from like five to 12, right? Like, you know them as a child and then they grow up to be an adult and you find out like, oh.
0: It's a good trailer to their adult version. Like, I know when I know people like when they're young and then I circle back on them later in life, I'm like, Oh, these things about you make sense based on, like, what I saw of you growing yeah, up. Yeah, it, It's a good trailer. Yeah. Because people uh, ch- or should change. Should yeah, grow. Yeah. Should.
1: Well, so I didn't see him ever in, I don't know, 10 years. And we're at this house party. And, uh, dude, <laughs> I'm just visualizing this now. I, uh, we're at this house party. And I see him, and I'm like, dude, I recognize this guy. And I look over, I'm like, Sam. And he looks over, he's like, no shit. So we say what's up, you everything. And then uh, we kind of break away. I'm like... He's different. Like, uh, Ooh, he got different. hood uh, quick. And Ooh. so we're all drinking, having a good time. We're all pretty drunk. And there's a keg. You know, they got a picnic tap. There's some people doing keg stands. You know, standard like 22, 21-year-olds just having a house party kegger. And this guy, I I walk in and there's about ten people in the living room where the keg is. And this guy's Sam's like, I'm doing a keg stand. Someone grabbed my legs. Hey, grab my legs! No, you, dude, grab my legs. Nobody's grabbing this guy. He's like, "Fuck you all! I don't need anybody. I'll do a keg stand by myself." Hey, here so he's we go. expecting mm. to keg stand by himself, but also hold the tab it So, a one-handed handstand Is, he, balancing. I'm um,
0: imagining he's not a gymnast.
1: No. Okay. Uh, I mean, he wasn't like terribly out of shape, but like.
0: Yeah, but not state, a gymnast. Yeah, like, Gymnast which would be required to single handstand feed yourself a beer. Okay, KK. Okay, okay, just just making sure because like yeah, you can be upper body strength, but like gymnast training or like yoga instructor is how you do that.
1: So keg and keg bucket, kind of against the wall. So it's not just in the middle of the room, right? Oh, against the wall. I
0: can see how he would find the hubris for success here. And uh he I'm gonna goes, throw my feet up there and right? I can see yeah. it. I can see it now, I can see it. Uh, yep.
1: So he goes. And uh, gets up and you know legs against the wall, both hands on the keg, upside down. And me and me and my buddy are like, "All right, now just watching, right?" Like, "All okay, right, cool." He got up, got up, and I think all quietly in our heads we're thinking, "Now how's he gonna do this next part?" Because <laughs> uh, this next part's the tough part. <laughs> almost instantaneously, when he puts his hand off the keg, upside down, to now. Grab the the tap, sure. put it into his mouth. Yeah, immediately falls. <laughs> he is now stuck behind the keg because he's fallen. Uh, he's behind, so he's pinned sideways on it, like on his side on the ground between the wall and the keg. Keg oh freshly love. tapped. The bucket of ice is probably another fifty pounds. This dude's maybe one hundred and sixty pounds <laughs> between two hundred and thirty pounds Killing keg me. and ice bucket, and just like. So, so like like peter
0: me. griffin passed he's out behind like, the game <laughs> yeah,
1: he's just asking for all these people to help and i just remember my buddy's going like that's your friend right and i'm like no no
0: i've never seen that man before in my life
1: yeah it was fucking i mean it was the best time in the world like you love people who are yeah. drunk and falling stuff
0: yeah i mean oh, uh, so uh I do love people falling, but for whatever reason, that uh, reminded me. And I don't know if we covered it on the Chris Rogers episode, but one time I, I intentionally left someone we both know very drunk in his bar. <laughs> <laughs> Such a dick. Uh, he literally, the next time I see him, he's like, hey, did you leave Del Toro my bar drunk on purpose? And I was like, yes. <laughs> see, it's hard, lie. It's hard Shout lie. out Mike Del Toro. When are we having you on? Um, yeah, right. I, uh, <laughs> when he I, gets back from Alaska, he'll be right on Mike Del Toro. Love, it. Fucking Canada, love Canada, that Fucking cat. Love that dude. Alaska. Uh, Mike Del Toro's done seasonal work in Alaska. Shit, it's fucking ten years now. I mean, we were still working at the Guana Max together when he did his first summer, and I, I don't remember if it was like super intentional to go out there or if he was just taking advantage of an opportunity. But like whatever it was, he found out there. He, it really kind of helps, and he's a great rider too. So it kind of helps him stay clicked in and. I mean, if I were still bartending and unmarried, um, that's exactly what I would be doing. i would sure. be traveling, living my fucking life. Yep. Uh, not that I, shout out Jacqueline, I, I'm very content in my life now. I just, I, without a family, would be just still out there trying to 100%. do a, a different th- version of what I I'm doing now. Yeah. Are. You settled
1: down. You know, you have the,
0: the, dude, I, the, I, the, dude, the I love that. being able to, like, sit in my office, run a brand, go out into the market, know everyone in Mesa, Flagstaff, like, I like where I'm at now, but, like. I'm just saying, like, given a different set of circumstances, I would literally be doing exactly what Deltor is doing right now. It's super cool. And when he gets back, we'll have to have him on. And then if everyone would stop trying to schedule a fucking Wednesday, we'd get a lot more of these done. Yeah. But that said. Um,
1: well, uh, to kind of get a little bit podcast theme of industry secrets. doing Street yeah. they out there, any shady shit go down?
0: Yes. <laughs> so I got two stories. Uh, One of which is just mainly going to be kind of a description of how I smoked cannabis. And then one is going to be about how I visited the location of a viral video.
1: Oh, all right. Yeah.
0: I'm going to let that one simmer. Let that one simmer. Let
1: that one marinate.
0: Marinate. So uh, we stayed at a really nice hotel right next to the convention center. Um, Brag. So 15th, if you know anything about Denver, 16th is kind of like their Tempe Marketplace, their mill or whatever, like... Great restaurants, lots of shopping. They're hot spot. You, you don't you can't even ride the scooters across it, like on either side. And we did a lot we did a lot of scooties, uh scoot scooting. Um Dude,
1: if you're drinking and you're on a scooter, they're fun. Oh they're just fun.
0: Yeah, and I mean that I mean is counterintuitive. Uh and while I was for legal purposes never drinking and riding a scooter in Denver, I could see how that would be a total blast. Dude, are you talking about
1: getting on the bird gang? <laughs> bird bird. Fucking bird ganging up.
0: Yeah, oh, except man. that's all. Uh, well, it was just basically down to. I mean, those were all bought by like Uber and Lyft and everything like that. Sure. So we just used the apps. But like, we literally cruised.
1: It's not as fun to say Uber gang. Yeah. Or Lyft gang.
0: Uh, gang. Well, so we would uh, actually good. when we would roll up to places, I would always say like uh, we were a very serious scooter gang, <laughs> and like I look the way I do, and it, sometimes it's hard to read my dryness. And we actually pulled up on <laughs> in downtown Denver on a biker gang. <laughs> And, and I was like, we're a very serious scooter gang. And then I was parking and then John, you know, said something. And then I could literally overhear a dude be like, he can't fight us all because <laughs> John's a monster. And like every time people see him, they just want to fight him. Oh, and I'm just man. like, Ugh. and I, and I tell John, I'm like, be careful. These guys want to fight you. And he's like, just walks right over into him. And I'm like, Oh Jesus, <laughs> just trying to see what they're up to. He's yeah. like, Hey, nice bike. And just being super chill, just trying to see if they're going to pick a yep. fight. And uh, John likes to do that, just flexed his shit. He's uh, like, mm-hmm. his chest is the size of a fucking Cadillac. Who's going to swing first on that dude? <laughs> Nobody.
1: Well, unless you're in a <laughs> fucking biker gang. <thing. laughs>
0: so I digress. Um, speaking of Mr. John Peasley, flew me in his uh, his uh, plane jet uh, right, over the, the Rockies. Uh, that John Denver's full of shit. Uh, and it was beautiful. Um, it was quite remarkable. Yeah, you sent uh, me
1: a picture of you in the plane and uh, didn't even think about it. I was like, Oh, cool. Alex is flying in a plane. Not, yeah. Alex is flying to CBC right now in a private plane. But way cooler.
0: <laughs> Listen, uh, to quote the poet Ice Cube, I'm a gangster, and I know when I got it good. <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> but uh, I digress. Mr. Peasley got us a fantastic hotel right off 15th. Um, so the, the smartest thing to do, especially if you're going to like hit a pipe is, I mean, I would just, the great thing about Denver is you can just walk around smoking out of a pipe and no one really seems to care. Uh, obviously, I want to be polite to people who aren't involved in my personal stuff. I'm not rude um, most of the time. Uh, it, so there's this back alley and you know, I can just pull up back there and then I realize, oh, I can just walk down here, go over to like, if I need to go to Walgreens, which was kind of a thing. And then it's great access to 16th right here instead of having to walk all the way around the hotel because... For some reason, they only had one door open. Fire hazard. Um, That you could come in and out of instead of like... Yeah. They were great. Um, (laughs) And plus, if they'd have killed me, if they'd have killed me, I would have left them a nice review. Yeah. (laughs) It is Suicide Prevention Month. Please Mm -hmm. reach out. Um, In any case, uh, dark humor is my thing. So, uh, to... And here's the thing. Like, I used to work private security in large homeless areas. I've done lots of volunteer work with homeless people. Um, I've lived in the ghetto. Um, when I tell you that this is the worst stench. This alley? It, this alley. It it was the bog of eternal stench for my labyrinth heads out there. Um, like literally every step I took felt like it was this never going to come Ford off. Alley. This was never going to come off my shoe. And... Um, Dude, it was the most hilarious place in the world. Cause I remember coming out one time, and I like I stepped around the corner, and there's this guy sitting down. He's counting all this money. His dude's got drugs open in a bag. He's got like three chicks around him. Two other dudes just talking. And he looks up at me and he's like, "What's up?" And I was like, "Just minding my business." And he's like, yep. "Good deal." And I was yep. like, "Cool." Just lit my pipe. Kind of stepped around the corner. He like kind of watched me, and just was like, "Alright, he's cool." <laughs> and then I, I rolled by another two dudes, like. Uh, smoking meth in like a little alleyway or crack oh, or whatever duh. and uh, what one dude was like yo what's up yo what's up and I just kept walking like nope, not my fucking business I ain't talking to you I ain't talking to you but uh, A it makes you feel alive and <laughs> B it's the shortest way to Walgreens dude, and, my, and, <laughs> and my feet hurt and dude I would find people uh, sleeping in that alley but like dude when I tell you like, the, the closer I would come to the end of it it was just like <sighs> what I imagine the great stench in England smelled like before they got their advanced sewer system, and they were all just mm-hmm. throwing their chamber, they almost killed themselves. Uh, it's historical looking up; it's gross. Um, so it smelled like I imagine that did. Yeah. And it's just, but there's cops everywhere to you know, keep like, say, like homeless people out of sight, and so it's just like it was gnarly. Uh, it literally like
1: it makes me feel more alive. That, that like a little bit of like trashy ghettoness. Like dude, when I had, oh, whenever I yeah. visit my buddy in San Diego before I lived there, uh, he lived in not a nice neighborhood, mm-hmm. but we go free place to stay, crash on his couch, kind of little ghetto, felt yeah. alive. And oh, you know, yeah. I remember being like, there's a shitty little chicken joint down the street and we'd, we'd go walk there at night because i stay open late and I'm all fucking hungry. I've had some beer, some fucking, just alcohol in my belly. I'm, I'm going to walk down there. And then, you got that junk courage and then you open up the door and you're like, oh, fuck, these people are real ghetto. Like, they're at, like they live this life a hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't get to come back to Mesa and uh, live in a nice little neighborhood. Like, they this isn't exhilarating
0: dating, for them right? this is their life yeah, it's then, oppressive So you
1: sit there and you're like oh well all that drunk courage is now gone and now I'm just in their situation and dude I, every time I left to come back I was like I felt more alive than than ever because <laughs> here two in the morning I walk down the street and and, and wave $100 bills over my head and ain't shit gonna fucking happen Mm-mm. and that is a boring life to live like I wanna go out there and be like I've gotta keep my head on a swivel I gotta know where I'm going take care of my shit mind my own fucking business and get to A to B I loved it
0: absolutely it so must um, have been
1: a, a little uh, I think it's like a perk to a little vacation you're like this is dope I, also wish, I, I wish I wish had got a alive. picture
0: of it cause I made the funniest joke about it when I first took John down the alleyway I was like oh no it's just down this alleyway He's like, where are you taking me? And I was like, and on your left, you'll see where Martha and Wayne... Or uh, Martha and... Uh, oh, Jesus. Martha and Wayne. Um, anyways. <laughs> Fuck that way up. But in the moment, it was hilarious. And... Um, God, I'm forgetting Bruce Wayne's father's name right now, which is the worst thing on the planet. But... um, Because I should know it. But anyways, I just made a joke about how it's where Bruce's parents were marri- murdered. Oh, gotcha. And uh, it's slayed in the moment, uh, unlike... It just the seven people who listen to this podcast are just screaming at their phone <laughs> like you fucking idiot which is perfectly fine because uh, we're gonna go on to the other story um I just wanted to talk about the alleyway in which a DC oh, comic icon gotta... originally started and no, how I got to visit it and didn't get a picture um I also don't generally post a lot while I'm out of town um just because like I don't want an open well, I, invitation well, for also people to just like,
1: enjoy what you're doing
0: also that so um We went to uh, a distillery and it's one of those distilleries that, um, is, I just want to be careful here because I really did enjoy my time there and I have nothing bad to say about what they do. Um, however, it does feel like a little more like it turns into a club at night. Okay. Okay nothing wrong with that gotta make that hustle but when you were a club at night and a craft destination by day there's a vibe there yeah. and it's a very specific vibe that oh, a yeah, handful that, of breweries the and crossover
1: is a very weird time
0: yeah and so we're there mid-afternoon when like they're gearing up for like 4 or 5 p.m and then eventually 8 9 yep and so we're there and it's we order a few cocktails. It they're delightful. We're having a great time. We're taking some pictures. It's a really cool big place. I mistook it for the um, Epic Tap Room because it looks very similar to it. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, the one where they do the the firkin Fiasco or whatever. Very similar property build. So I it felt familiar. and I thought I'd been there. And so we're hanging out. We're just. Well, I'm guessing
1: to, you're dead sober and you walked in this building.
0: Oh, well, yeah. Actually, this time I was. So, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Like I said, I stayed sober most of the trip. Um, So, uh, I, dude, I was up 5 a.m. every day on a Peloton working out. Um, Well, I also learned. Well, no, 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 I also learned that uh, I don't want a Peloton. Uh, I thought I did. I don't. Um, It just isn't, it's just a, it's 10% shy of what I think it should be. And for that much money, it should be exactly what I want it to be. Yeah, they're not cheap. And like the the immersive, like writing looks cartoony and off it's just it's i think the refresh rate's just a little too high or a little too low and it just doesn't feel oh, so right
1: my thing is i don't need a tv screen showing me like yeah you got it well no, not that next like, like it was just the, want... it
0: was just a scenic like forest or yeah, like see,
1: i don't need any of that you know what i need in my headphones dmx telling me where the hood at uh that's what i need and barking
0: i got blood yeah, on, on my it. hands god no yeah oh. that's, <laughs> that's what my favorite uh, dmx right but
1: literally like, that's what i need when i'm
0: doing no cooking. and that's how i am i'm either listening to a podcast as i warm up and then i'm super into gangster hip-hop as i'm like cranking through weights and stuff like mm-hmm. that but you know that's not a, and i mean i was still doing that i just you know was playing around with the peloton because i've I, I ride a bike a lot mm-hmm. uh for exercise well, and i clear, i've i've been kind of fantasizing about a peloton being like oh that like i just need a stationary bike and i thought that like that was going to be like mm-hmm. the thing for me and so I learned quickly that it wasn't, but I mean, you're talking, I'm up 5 a.m. Working out breakfast into seminars by 9 a.m. Every day, like drinking was far and uh, few for me on the trip, but we, and I wanted to see a lot of places. I want to ride the scooter. We rode the scooter two and a half miles in one click at one point. Oh, hell yeah. So uh, over to the great Dubai Room. I didn't bring any of the Yeti variants, which I should have because yeah, I'm an right. idiot, but um, fucking Tanner, they're, they're still in my fridge. Tanner Tyler
1: to give us some of
0: that. Uh, Did you get any of the ma- macaroon?
1: No, but I, I, I didn't get any package, but I tried on draft.
0: okay, yeah. They had they had like five variants. I bought the three in cans I didn't see in Arizona. Yeah, I think
1: got to still got a keg. Oh, Maybe no. they have two.
0: Nice. Well, I mean, Chuba always has dope beer. Yes, and do. I like going there. Yeah. Uh, I always run to people I like.
1: Sure, we ran into each other other that day.
0: That's what I'm talking about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, running into people I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sir, um, this, this place is perfectly fine. And uh, so John asks around for the distiller and then it turns out it's this guy in shorts flip-flops wine shirt he's clearly drunk um maybe not drunk just he'd been having a few cocktails and you know he didn't appear to be working or anything like that yeah and he's just hanging out so um he agreed to give us a tour takes in gorgeous barrel room they've got this crazy like glass gin still just really cool big operation they do a ton of volume Uh, super cool and then like we're just talking he's giving us a tour he's letting us taste some stuff he's buying us some shots and then uh he's like yeah he's like do you remember that video where the fbi agent's like dancing and then his gun falls out of the back and he like shoots someone he's like yeah that happened over there and i'm like (laughs) immediately my entire attention is like yeah i'm like excuse me and I'm like, what? I'm very familiar with this video. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, we and I have a picture of it. He's like, We didn't paint over the bullet hole, and <gasps> it's still in the the bullet hole still in the uh-huh. in the thing. So I guess this dude got settled out for a couple mil uh, from the feds. So he didn't sue them into oblivion. Uh, Solid. And then uh, I guess he gets some discount there for like. So basically, the dude just like hangs out and drinks all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> the dude who shot. No, the top dude top. who got shot.
1: Oh my! Oh, the dude got shot.
0: Yeah, so when the FBI agent like, and you can see in the video, it doesn't go off when it lands. It goes off when he grabs it in a panic because he Ugh. he grabs it without tr- uh, trigger discipline, and it shoot shot a dude oh, to you the. Can't
1: cap. just catch a gun and hope you have trigger discipline. You trying to catch a gun.
0: Catch a gun. It was on the ground, Bobby. Have you oh. not seen this video? I oh, not we, I will show you this video off air. Um, it is incredible, but basically there's this FBI agent on a dance floor, and he's just like, he's busting it down, you just it. but you don't know he's FBI at first, because he just looks like a dude, and then he does a backflip, and a gun what? comes flying out of the back, back waistband of his gun, these are the people who we want, who, like, some people want to own guns and control everything, people who don't know how to probably holster a weapon or have <laughs> trigger discipline, so the gun hits the ground, dead stop, does not go off he grabs it his fingers on the trigger where it should not be and he shoots a dude through the calf you do not see that in the video if you're going to look it up uh, look up fbi dancing fbi shoots um i'm gonna be like burt kreischer dancing fbi shoots (laughs) look it up like that god damn it nadav what are you doing (laughs) or whatever the fuck he sounds like um (laughs) Uh, so yeah, we went there and, uh, that whole place was pretty interesting and wild. Uh, the dude who showed us around is, he, he clearly just like, it, it felt like he was like a, a frat bro who kind of like accidentally fell into distilling. Him. <laughs> and I couldn't love that kind of like, um, unique custom backstory that I personally made up for him. Uh, because <laughs> I don't know that to be true, but it is for me. Uh, solid. Yeah. Um, there were God, we went to a lot of cool places, and uh I wish this was a year with like more interesting stories, but again, it was just it was massively underattended as far as festivals go and even the JBF stuff, right, man, like the only JBF there was was the award ceremony.
1: yeah, yeah. <coughs> and that's I hear like that's I've never been either, but I hear jbF is like more like the get little wild and having some fun.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, you've got six thousand people drinking beer one ounce at a time, like monsters for four days straight. Um, the award ceremony is always really cool, um, for me anyways, just cause like, it's cool to like see your peers win and like yeah. promote them and like see what beers are winning. And like, there's a lot of analytics in that stuff. Like, you know, medals are cool the day you win them. They help sales a little bit there. Th- it's cool to get feedback, but
1: that's also style dependent, right? Like-
0: yeah. Yeah. It, but, but it is super, at least intriguing for me to be like, Oh, like her 400 entries into like the yeah. whatever category and only Sixty six into this one, what the hell is that about? And you know, you're talking about like what ten thousand breweries nationwide submitting around five beers a piece. You'd you'd think that there there would be a little more. Mm-hmm. And then from year to year, like I remember one year there was like twenty two vn entries, and now there's over like eighty on average. So, um, yeah, um, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to recall. Oh shit, <laughs> that is um. Uh, one other thing that had happened we uh, we were uh, out drinking uh, late uh, same night that that girl fell through the thing um, we were uh, John hits me up he's like hey you want to go get pizza and da da and I was like yeah let's go get pizza and play at the arcade because I went to the level up arcade the entire time I was there just loved yep. going up there loved getting pizza off the food truck there um, John Hunter's like no I'm going to go next door and dance and we're like <laughs> uh, I love- Dude say that What <laughs> He's like yeah And so uh like
1: Fuck Grown man I'm gonna go dance
0: And uh, so We get up the next morning And I'm like Hey did you see uh, John Hunter And Brent's like Yeah he's in his bed His bottoms and feet were black And I was like Oh
1: he's dancing barefoot He's getting know. down Dancing
0: barefoot, barefoot. barefoot. That's what I'm talking about Barefoot dancer Yeah <laughs> barefoot dancer but uh it's just it's always funny when like people peel off in the night and they're just like "Hey, yeah, he came back with black feet <laughs> you're like uh okay uh Did he get canceled
1: is that what's going on here
0: uh yeah it just uh, <laughs> my my good lord you got me one more beer yeah All no right. for sure um is uh going down easy. one uh one cool thing that we did is um, John's aunt owns a restaurant in Colorado Springs called Edelweiss. It's as fucking grand as authentic German restaurant. Fucking badass. ass. Um, we flew to Colorado Springs and had lunch there after we left Denver. Um, and then went and walked Garden of the Gods, which is um, this national park that or park in Colorado. That I guess was privately owned until the dude who owned it died, and then he donated it to the city. With oh, yeah, the you me about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 where he would no one would ever get charged for entering the park. Saw some people with emus there. Really cool part of the trip. Sure um, it wasn't an ostrich, yeah. I uh, I lived next to an emu farm for a little while growing up, so I'm I'm super familiar with them. Uh, and uh, also, she said it was an emu. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it was funny because like as we're leaving uh, the park, uh, my brewer turns to me. He's like, "Are you familiar with the Emu Wars?" And I was like, "Actually, I am." Oh, really? And so I'm going to ask you right now, Bobby. Are you familiar with the Emu Wars?
1: Is this like the the Great Spanish War of 19? Go
0: to no, this is the Australian government trying to fight emus.
1: Oh, and they lost, right?
0: Yes, they did. I've heard of this. Yes, you have. Oh, holy shit! <laughs> it's if you've heard of it, you always forget about it until you're like, yeah. oh, wait, and they lost yeah. against emus. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, to plug another podcast that totally needs our endorsement, there's a great stuff you should know episode. <laughs> They need the help. Um, they uh, are a like fifteen year old podcast, but uh, the, it's one of the I listen to podcasts all the time. But they ha- they put out an episode probably two three years ago called Emu Wars, and it's a pretty succinct uh, recap of it. And uh, yeah, it just what an incredible uh, thing that happened in hu- human history <laughs> that humans were like our superior machines will destroy these birds, and then it just never happened. That's
1: so insane. To me, like. Nowadays, like in Arizona, especially like what was like six years ago, we had a an absurd coyote problem. Like, oh yeah, next level. That uh, Arizona Game Fish was paying fifty dollars a pelt. Like, you kill you kill a not even pelt, just dead dead coyote, right? You kill a coyote, you get fifty bucks, and there were people that turned it into a career that year. Like, Mm -hmm. I I I read a stat that someone made like eighty thousand dollars killing coyotes. Dude, right now there were so many, but also like that. Pro- person probably lived, like, north of Down Road, right? Like, way out there, where, like, they've got an acre of land that's all dirt, and they got a fucking well, I 22 with a silencer on that they're just picking them off as soon as they come, and they're just sitting there, just
0: bing! Oh, probably. Bing. I mean, I would I would see at least a coyote a morning walking my dogs when I lived mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. off South Mountain in Ahwatukee. <clears throat> so, yeah, you live, I mean, and that's not even too far. That's Elliot and 48th, dude. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, um... There's a similar thing going on in Lee's Ferry right now, which is where the Grand Canyon River starts, um, where you would, like, well, push into it here uh, in Arizona uh, if you're going to get on a raft. Uh, they're giving away, so for every three trout you catch, it's $15 or 50 bucks, I think. And then if you catch one of the ones they have tagged, it's 300 bucks because they're an invasive species. Mm-hmm. They're super aggressive, so you can't
1: even buy trout at that price. <laughs> they just keep the trout. <laughs> just keep it for food.
0: Well, you catch the trout. I don't know. That you, I, I don't them. know. You have to That's give the them to them. You just have to get them out of the water. Oh wow! So I do think you get to keep the fish. Okay. So not so only are you able to like have dinner. catch dinner. <laughs> they're, they're, dinner, they're they're they they're paying you. And if you're a good enough angler, I mean, um, I'm from a town that uh, what was this? Is it Jimmy John or Jimmy? God, I can't remember. Give me context. I'll be able to a, help you here. There's f- fisherman from the White Mountains. They used to feature Ooh, him definitely on... definitely can't help you here. They, they used to feature him on FSN all the time. He bought one of my hometown bars and ran into the ground. The guy's a real jackass. Um, <laughs> but he's a killer angler. He's a killer angler. I watched a friend of mine knock him out in a bar this once. This
1: guy's got so many protractors, it's
0: stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dumb joke, but I like it. Listen, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm here for a good dad joke. They, they help me process trauma. Uh, do you know when uh, a dad joke's a dad joke? I
1: almost spit on my beer right there. Uh-huh. I thought you were about to hit me with the dad joke. I oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's hear it. Why? Well, How? a dad I joke's
0: don't... a dad joke when it's a parent.
1: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah.
0: This is still, da- still dad jokes over here. But, uh, yeah, so I, I guess since it's time to start wrapping up, uh, which usually, you know, we're like Midwest goodbye kind of guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, guess we'll stand up and talk for 20 minutes. Yeah, I'll walk.
1: I'll walk you out.
0: I'll walk you out. And get out. caught at the door. Yeah,
1: how, how, how are you doing again?
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah, we just wanted to crank out an episode this week instead of taking two weeks off. Um, Did
1: we take a bunch of time off. But yeah. She's know, been wild. Yeah. and has uh,
0: been wild. Yeah, and then I think uh, before we have our next guest uh, in a couple of days, we're going to get a new interface system, so hopefully this will be less echoey for those that do listen uh, and en- and enjoy it. Um, and then we'll try to get a few more of these guests on. Again, potential future guests, please don't schedule Wednesday. What are you doing to me? <laughs> it's Well, if it wasn't my kids' half day at school, it would be different. But, like, you know, i got to stop in the middle of the day, and, like, that's usually... I'm usually locked up being a parent when we would normally record, and I can do it sometimes. But you know, uh, being a parent that you know comes first or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it gives you the it gives you the joke category. You can at least nurture the relationship, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm
1: trying to do a little bit of scarring, not a lot of scarring, but a little bit. Of scarring well, you need you,
0: you need enough adversity so they don't grow privileged, and then yeah, you know.
1: Like I need to leave and go get cigarettes, but like eventually come back
0: <laughs> yeah like in two months yeah just keep them guessing I'm like what did you, I, I know you've probably seen all the Blues Clues Steve yep. memes yeah. going around one of my favorites was I just went out for smokes <laughs> 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 I did see a tweet that was like I'll have you know Steve uh from Blues Clues apologized for abandoning me before my father did <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was like good lord damn that hurts uh <laughs>
1: shout out Blue's Clues uh, no we could probably I mean I don't know if you thought about a, a little uh, industry shout out but uh, mine's definitely uh, Oso with that uh, the 1-800-TALK
0: yeah well I mean let's just talk about it because that was going to be mine too it, so they,
1: they do it every year it's phenomenal it's the uh, Oso Brewing Outrageous Homebrewers Social Outpost they, they got a few of them now it's a yeah, phenomenal just a few. brewery Fucking, they're they're opening up so many different things.
0: Yeah, they got two airport. I think they got like seven or eight locations now. They're 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 uh they're not doing too shabby.
1: Plus the uh, little O's, and then they got a pizza joint too, which I don't remember. Mm-hmm.
0: The pizza joint. I what heard they were so so trying to go up to Flagstaff. I'm not yep. sure yep. if yeah, that's they, gonna. They acquired a building. Nice. Plus,
1: if you're if you're listening, listen. You live in uh, Arizona. Uh, Give Oso a shot if you haven't. I'm sure you have. If you're listening to this podcast, and you know they're, they're dope. Killer brunch. Um, if you see the. Uh, it's like the one eight hundred like two seven two whatever talk um, beer. It's the suicide prevention hotline. They you know give back to charity the you know charitable organization for uh, uh, suicide awareness. Uh, it's phenomenal, and if you like West Coast style IPA, that beer is fucking great. Like I was very pleasantly surprised with how great it was. You know when when you do those kind of things, like they're such a you know big organization doing a huge focus on a beer, like you you tend to not. Think so much of what the product's going to be, right? Like, oh, this sure. is this is a big brew. It's going distributed everywhere. Well, like
0: resilience from Sierra Nevada it's, and all yeah. those. No one really gave a shit what it tasted like. It was more about getting it on, getting it sold. It's the and, message. And, and, and yes, yes, and, yes. Uh,
1: but yeah, I had one. I had a can of it, and uh, and I was like, oh, this is delicious. Fuck yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm all about this.
0: Yeah, um, it's uh, it's very delightful beer. We actually uh, we brewed a. So our, our, uh, to make it all about me um, <clears throat> for a second, uh, <laughs> at Grand Canyon, we finally, a year and two months later, yay, uh, got approval to start brewing uh, and got brewing. And so we made our first Hazy IPA, um, which will Hazys will only be made in Flagstaff, Um um, we made our first one for this beer. Uh, we joined the the project where you, Kill you. brew one. and so, yeah. Ooh, I shouldn't say
1: that, actually. <laughs> yeah, and, and then, I
0: mean, just to... It's funny you brought it up because it's my local shout-out as well. And since it's both of ours, I feel we can actually just discuss it for a second. Because um, there are a lot of things I take uh, very seriously. And for someone who is always laughing and never taking anything seriously, um, this is uh, clearly very important to the awesome guys, right? It's something yeah. that they promote. And something that I bend over backwards to help out. I wish, you know, um, I could have got there first or at the same time. or I don't know. It's not about that. It's about, like, I just can't believe it was a blind spot for me, especially sure. considering anyone who knows me the way I deploy humor. Um, it's usually in the lane of suicidal jokes, which for me is just a way that I cathartically handle my own existentialism and isn't always the most appropriate way to do it. But it is what it is. Um, and with that said, I just... I, couldn't be more proud of this program and what they do with it. And to to give back so little um, along with them is just tremendously uplifting and great. And I don't always agree with the messaging of Suicide Awareness Month, which has nothing to do with Oso. Um, but I do like that they individually took this opportunity and this time and this space where it does have recognition and had a message that is specifically... About just talking to someone, reminding people that people are here and care about them, and that here's access if you can't talk to someone right this second. You know, I've um, <clears throat> I've picked up FaceTime calls at 11 p.m. from people I haven't talked to in years. Um, I've, I've done a lot of that stuff, and who knows what kind of an effect it has, right? Um, I did have a friend pull me aside a few years ago and was like, Hey, man, just checking in and trying to hang out. Probably saved my life. And Damn. I'll never forget that. And you know, it's, you're just putting in the work and you know, just trying to be a good friend and to realize the amount of impact that has doesn't change anything other than just reinforce that I'm doing the right thing. When I do give up an hour of an evening with my family to talk to someone I'll probably not talk to again for years or whatever the case may be. Um, so like Bobby said, it's a killer beer, but more importantly, an awesome message focused, it's like you know you get all these month themes and it's kind of up to anyone to figure out how to contribute and they've done an amazing job and
1: what's well, a lot harder than no it. notes
0: man it's just it's they, they got people involved i actually helped them with the delivery of getting some stuff up north and you know Keel's like all right you know you, you know tacker and then this and that i'm like god damn you guys have mm-hmm. covered every base here man like you've really gotten people involved they put a
1: full focus on it and like i think what a lot of consumers are like oh it's a Suicide. Whatever the charity thing is, whatever the focus is, you know, it's it's, they did this beer. Cool. Uh, There's a lot that goes into it, right? You got to formulate an amazing beer recipe. You got to do can art. You got to make sure your distribution line is going to sell this product, Mm -hmm. so you don't take a loss because you're already donating money to this beer. So any profit you would see is significantly lower because you're giving the profits to charity. So if you don't sell through it, you don't get it to all the places. Your, Your your distribution line doesn't work out exactly right. Uh, your, your company's taking a loss to do something great, uh, and then you got to give it a major focus. Your distrib you got to make your distributor make it a major focus, yep. and then you're really pulling a favor to tell your distributor. Hey, I need this beer to get everywhere for us to make no money, as opposed to hey, I need I'm going to pull this the favor to have my distributor mm-hmm. do a focus on something I'm going to make good money on as a business. They're sure. they're giving it away as another like they're losing money on it again right there, and uh, for them to to also to to do all of those things it's, there's just so much more to it than most people would ever even consider yeah and then
0: to is. tackle something so dark and taboo to discuss in our culture versus the for firefighters like easy way out you know yeah. what I mean um, just impressive um, and, and I, they've inspired other brewers I, to do it too yeah I mean well uh, like I said we actually brewed a beer with them this year and, and, and got on the program and you know, some people buy the beers to support, some people brew them. It's, it's however, like, I'm, again, like I said, man, just <clears throat> no fucking notes. Um, couldn't be more proud to call them peers and friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, and while I was hanging out with them in Denver, we, we planned a collab uh, in the works. Hell yeah. I uh, started planning with them and uh, Simple Machine while I was in Denver. So, oh, Marshall, love that man speaking of those two chicks that were pretty intoxicated um, they kept telling uh, me and Marshall that like one would be you're the you're the more handsome and they'd be you and you and it just became very clear after a while they literally just couldn't tell us apart I mean I, (laughs) I get that we both wear glasses and have red beards but like I am a bigger than Marshall both height and width and I also have no hair I shave my head so Marshall right. doesn't. <laughs> like, there's people. a pretty big indicator of who's who. <laughs> it's not like you're twin and you're like, he has the mole by his, his eyelid or whatever. Junk people, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. But with that, um, we're gonna wrap up and uh get out of here and uh next time we'll have a we'll have a guest back on.
1: Yes, we will. I'm on it. We're working on it.
0: And um go ahead and ask me, Bobby. And ask me if it happened in Denver. Oh,
1: I was like, I thought that's
0: what you were gonna ask, but do you shit your pants? I didn't. Ah! Uh, and what's funny is I usually shit my pants everywhere. <laughs> I so mean, I, I believe
1: your drums you out like that. I was just so,
0: yeah. Um, I, I fully expected it. Yeah. Disappointing. I know. Again, without the heavy drinking, I think that, that I kind of avoided it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was on a pretty strict um, meal regimen since I was eating breakfast in the same place every morning. But, uh, I mean, I shit my pants two weeks ago, so, you know, not all for naught. Still got stories. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we're going to get out of here. Thank you for listening. Thank you.